Hi, everybody. This is Jeff Feingold with our Down to Business podcast for this week. <laughs> I'm here with, uh, I actually am the editor of the New Hampshire Business Review. I forgot what, how I say this stuff. Years. Uh, I'm the editor of the New Hampshire Business Review. I'm joined here by Amanda Andrews, associate editor and producer of the podcast. And this week we have on as our guest, Anne E. Richardson, who is the founder and media director and chief cook and bottle washer of Richardson Media Group in Portsmouth. <laughs> uh, that was what she said her title was. I wrote it down. I take good you know, notes. I like you already, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, so so Anne's here to talk about something that it, it's it's really interesting because you know we at the business room have been following this for many years about uh, companies that decide to go through to become uh, certified as B corporations. And Richardson Meeting Group is one of the more recent ones in New Hampshire to do that. And and I just would like to, I'd like, that's why we asked you to come on. So let's talk about a little bit about why you chose B Corporation status and what it is. Why don't we talk about what it is first? What what, what attracted you to it? Sure. Um, well, thanks for having me. And I do wear a lot of hats here, so I you can call me anything. It doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Um, but it's great to be here. Um, becoming a B Corporation. Uh, I guess it, it it sort of was on my radar about three years ago um, when I, as a member of New Hampshire Businesses for Social Responsibility, I was meeting a lot of different businesses around the state and around New England um, on the marketing committee with them. And I started listening to people's stories about how they were running businesses for good, which is an expression that we like to use. And it was at the spring conference, again, this is about three years ago, when um, I first learned, I, I saw a presentation with Fiona Wilson and Aaron Allgood and probably some other folks from, uh, from UNH Sustainability Institute. And they were talking about the Bee Impact Clinic there and how it was an entry point for businesses to learn more about becoming a B Corporation. It really intrigued me. So I ended up applying and I was accepted for the fall cohort that year. So it all happened fairly quickly. And what that what that told me, what that taught me was what was going to go into the assessment process. We we didn't get, you know, very far except for my learning, my understanding at that point of what would be required of me as a business owner and of our team and uh, of the of the business itself in order to earn our certification. So I did a full semester with a wonderful group of students at the B Impact Clinic, who I just think so highly of. They were amazing guides to me. And I came out around late December when the semester was over, and then it was up to us to go forward with the the BIA, which is the B Impact Assessment, which is the measuring tool that B Lab requires businesses to complete. And it's where all of your information, your goals, your dreams, your data, you have to give a lot of business data to B-Lab. You have to describe all of your customers and clients. You have to give a, a lot of descriptions around your um, team and how your governance is, is handled at your company. So it's really, it dives into a lot of important areas um, around business ownership, uh, and how businesses impact communities, employees, and the world at large, the environment, and other and other areas. So I was um, 
sort of, you know, we were let free from the B Impact Clinic and it was on us to keep going with the assessment. And it took about a year and a half for us to finally complete it, submit it, and then be be reviewed and finally find out this past January, mid-January, we got the news that we had been certified. But um, when I say the journey was long and circuitous, I really, that's very true. It, it, there were times when I thought it was almost insurmountable that we'd never get through it. And then other times I felt really like we were gaining momentum and we, we had made a lot of progress um, and that it was going to be happening. So I have to say it was, it was a little bit of a journey of uncertainty, but you asked also what drove me to want to do this for my business. One of the things about being a small business owner for me is that I feel that the business has always reflected my values, my ethics, and me as a person. So when I go out into the marketplace and you know, I'm talking about Richardson Media Group to prospective clients or partners or whatever, um, I really feel strongly that it's me as a person, my persona that is part of that conversation. And that's being a B Corp for me um, fits into the type of person that I am, the things I think are important, the the causes I focus on, the, you know, all of the work that I've done as a human being up until this point, I felt like it was very reflective of that. And that was why it made sense and it seemed like a natural uh, a natural fit for Richardson Media Group to become a B Corporation. So, yeah, because uh, if you could just explain to our listeners what the difference is between a regular corporate status, regular corporation, and a B Corporation, what and you know what what is the difference as you see it? So legally, there is no difference. I am an S Corporation. Uh, we, uh, I am a board of directors of one because I don't have a board of directors right now, except I'm the, I'm the whole construct of what is technically called. Oh, board of directors. Well, I said you were the chief cook of bottle washer. Now you're the there board. You go. So. I'm the president, the secretary, the treasurer, and everything else. And I also vacuum and all that kind of stuff. Um, I keep the, keep the office clean and everything running, but no. Um, so from a legal standpoint, there is no, no particular difference. The only thing that you are required to do when you're applying for B Corporation status is to, um, to make sure that the state where your business is being run acknowledges you as a benefit corporation. So each state has its own set of requirements to do that. New Hampshire, my experience now going through it twice, um, has been that it's not a very rigorous process. New Hampshire has not um, initiated what I would consider a very rigorous vetting process for, for companies who want to become benefit corporations. I know that other states uh, are different than New Hampshire, but I was required to fill out an application on the state website and I had to put all of my identification in there and also write uh, a short essay about my, my purpose in becoming a benefit corporation and they quickly um, approved that. So, that wasn't super, that wasn't difficult compared to some of the other steps that we were having to to go through with the B Impact assessment, but um, but it's an acknowledgement to the state that this is a, a focal point of mine. But other than yeah, that, there's no there's no structural difference to my company because I'm a B Lab B Corporation versus you know a regular corporation. The way I understand a B Corporation, you're saying you have benefits that are just 
most corporations their 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 benefits are just to make money. Is that a simple way of saying it? And and they're they're beholden to their shareholders or whatever, their customers and their vendors. But a benefit corporation say they have other values besides just making money. That that is and that's the benefits that, that they're also providing as a corporation. Is that am I making this too simplistic or? Um, no, no. I think you're on target there. I think um, for me, my understanding is that as a B corporation, uh, and and B technically, I guess you could insert the word benefit for that. Um, the B lab certification process requires you to meet standards for employees, community engagement, you know, which includes volunteerism and and donations. Um, uh, governance, meaning the whole construct of the company, meaning my benefit package, my employee handbook, all of the time we give our employees, anything that goes into governing the company um, is part of that as well. Um, the environment, how we approach decisions around environmental um, sustainability here, which we can talk about that if you want. There are certain categories that we were able to make more of an impact on than others. and. Um, and just to take a quick side, uh, for example, environment for us was we we got less points for that in the application simply because we lease a building in Portsmouth and we went to talk to our landlord and you know he he chose not to install low flow toilets because we asked him to and things like that. He said no no we're good and uh, you know he was he was fine with keeping the the building the way it was. So we don't have a lot of control necessarily around our our environmental footprint other than ordering sustainable supplies and making sure we don't drive too much and things like that. Um, other areas that we were able to make a much bigger impact uh, on were our employees. For example, I wrote an entire corporate sustainability set of guidelines for the company that we share with every employee when they come on board. I updated my whole employee handbook. We have new policies in place that didn't exist before we became a B Corporation. So I felt like that in itself, um, hiring practices, diversity, um, accommodations, things like that grew and, and, and became more important. Um, and we learned a lot about what we could do for our employees when we, when we were going through that process. So um, that's just to give you an example. It's the corporate structure is the same, but our values are reflected in the running of the business. They're reflected in how we treat our employees. It, they're reflected in the relationships we have with certain vendors and clients. Um, we like to say that we're able to have the luxury of of choice now and saying, you know, we really want to work with like-minded individuals and, and organizations, which is a goal for any business owner is to be able to say, this is this is who we are and this is who we want to work with. So um, those are some of the exciting benefits that have come from becoming a B Corporation. I almost think that all corporations should be like that. <laughs> well, I think that's the goal of B Lab. So I, I'm not going to pretend to speak for them as such a new member of the community, but I've heard more than one member say up to this point that once this really becomes the norm versus something that's less common, it, it won't require any type of certification any longer. It will just be how most businesses are running. And I, I, I certainly hope that that becomes, you know, status quo someday. I also think that that, may, that would be a huge boost for retaining and hiring new employees, because I feel like a lot of people are looking 
for companies nowadays that have those values and they're just more than we're making money and we're serving clients. That's it. So yeah. I think that's, that's a huge boost um, for employers if they were to have this sort of value-based system in their corporation. I think that's definitely the idea. Um, I do agree with you a hundred percent. And I know that um, the people that work here are very happy about this as an outcome, and we've all been really excited about it, um, excited to see where it brings us. So, um, two, I think it's important to note, and, and I've also talked to other business owners about this who are B Corporations, none of us are ashamed to be running for-profit businesses. We're totally, we're here to make money, and in fact, if we didn't make a profit, we wouldn't be able to take time out of the day to volunteer or give away you know i'm i'm also a member of 1% for the planet and there are other companies that do the same it's a it's a very common connection um you know we need to make money in order to give money to charities that we feel imp are important and things like that so one does feed into the other and i yes. I've, I've learned not to apologize for being a for profit enterprise um i think we're doing good things with with that, but um, at the end of the day, we're still here to do business too. Exactly. But, and could you do me, give us an idea of what exactly your company is, what, what you do, what, what is, you know, what is your business about? Sure. So Richardson Media Group um, manages advertising campaigns and SEO strategies. So we stay focused solely on paid media and SEO, where, uh, I call ourselves a small but mighty agency. Uh, we're very vertical in the sense that we are not a full service ad agency. And what we do, we're built upon what I call a partnership model, where we partner with um, like-minded creative web design copywriting firms when we need to build upon our team for a particular project. But our sole um, capabilities, are, are, our core capabilities are paid media and SEO. Oh, interesting. interesting. And you, I should add. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You go ahead, Ann. We're we're right now the only marketing agency in the state of New Hampshire that's a certified B Corporation. So that's our claim to fame, at least until the next person joins the group. I was just going to ask because uh, digital media is booming. I mean, as we all know. Um, yep. So I'm just curious how you help clients stand out. Um, you know, what's your what makes you, besides being an awesome B Corp, you know, what drives you to, you know, be the best or to have drive clients to you? Well, thanks for that question, Amanda. So uh, one of the things I think that uh, is a differentiator for Richardson Media Group is the fact that I have been in the advertising business for most of my career. I started out after college at an agency up in Portland, Maine, I worked my way down to Boston, worked at a few agencies there, back up to, to um, the seacoast eventually. So I started the company already having a couple of decades of, of ad agency experience and media buying and planning experience under my belt. So that's the first part. Um, and I think where we are different is simply the the level of experience that I can bring to the table to have a deep understanding of how all the media vehicles are going to work together. Um, we do mostly integrated media campaigns, which means that we would be having our clients have ads that are served on multiple different platforms. So 
series of digital platforms potentially combined with traditional platforms like TV or radio, for example, we do it all. So we're doing traditional and digital. And I'd say it's my understanding and our team's understanding of how messaging is consumed by target audiences on all of these different platforms and understanding how integrated plans work together that really sets us apart. You know, I find that really interesting because in a previous life, I did a little work as a freelance ad copywriter. And I mean, a previous was like 30 years ago, so it is a whole life. But uh, I, I find it interesting watching that business from, from outside, how much it's changed over the years, the advertising. Yeah. It's really amazing change. And, and it's not just from technology, but just from uh, the, it, it, well, it is technology, but there's so many different avenues for advertising. So how, how do you decide what's best for a client? What, what kind of, what, what media, what medium is best for, for your client when, when, when you decide it? Because there's so many choices to make. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what my clients want to know right out, right out of the gate all the time. So we would ask a lot of really important questions. We call it the discovery process or the strategic intake process. We'd ask them a lot of questions about what are they, why do they want to run an ad campaign? What are they hoping to achieve? What are their goals? Um, and on and on who, you know, we have to define target audiences. We have to understand geographic reach. We have to get a lot of information collected. And then our job is to say, based on all of that information, which is unique to every, every client, which are going to be the most effective, what's going to be the most effective combination of media vehicles to achieve those particular goals. So there are media, media vehicles, types of media tactics, that are, are what we would call awareness tactics. So if, if, a, if a company simply is brand new and they need to lift their brand, no one knows who they are, they need to become more, people need to become more aware of them in the marketplace, we would potentially use certain tools to do that. And then we have a, a, another set of our tools in our toolbox that are, we call conversion tools that are sort of when when people already know who the who the the company is we would want them to take some sort of action to express their interest in that company whether it's you know not always a purchase but usually an inquiry a phone call a form fill you know some sort of you know a download you know a view or something that is measurable to um to to sort of start deciding oh how's my audience deciding to interact with me and what do they want from me and, and how am I going to be able to deepen this customer relationship with my with my audience. So that's a long-winded way of saying it really depends on the goals of the client's campaign. And then we go ahead and make recommendations for combinations of media tactics from there. Do, do, you, do you just, do you focus like on, on social media a lot or do you also use like specific uh, uh, media, let's media sites like, you know, YouTube. HBR.com. No, no, like, you know, uh, New York Times website, which yeah. is, you know, just a huge thing or some other kind of thing like that. So, so back. Focus on social. Yeah. So back when um, digital was newer, and I should note too that I, I took a break from advertising when my kids were small and I got my master's in education 
I became a public school teacher for seven years. So I had about a 10 year hiatus between graduate school and teaching, leaving teaching and going back to advertising. In the span of that 10 years, that was the literal, that was the 10 years when digital exploded. It was like all of a sudden I came back into the world of advertising and it had just, it was, it was not the same place that I had left originally. So talk about challenging and exciting. So um, back in those early days of digital, we were buying websites one at a time. And technically you can still do that. But when we when we purchase what's called display advertising, which are those banner ads that appear on a variety of different websites, we don't usually purchase them one website at a time any longer. Those are purchased through through something called programmatic. You may have heard that term, which is large groups of websites that are, you know, that are batched up, I guess for lack of a better term, based on different criteria, different content, different um, users, um, the kinds of audiences that visit them, et cetera, et cetera. And so what we do is plug in goals for our display campaign and purchase it through a programmatic vendor that would then give us hundreds of thousands of websites of exposure. So we're not picking and choosing Wall Street Journal, New York Times, Boston Globe any longer like we were in the beginning. It was much more a one-off kind of, here's a banner ad to put on that particular website. Now what we do is our creative partners will produce standard advertising units um, mm -hmm. and we'll send a batch of those over to a programmatic vendor, we use several, and they will then disseminate those ads where there's inventory available across multiple websites that meet criteria we're looking for them to, to service us with. You're telling the programmatic uh, companies, this is who we want, These are the, this is the demographic we're looking yeah. for, this is the, yeah. and they say, okay, them. Yep. And then That's there's, more there's a, yeah, it's more efficient. There's also, you know, there's, there's uh, pricing and, and all of that that goes into it and, and inventory availability and the, it goes beyond just what I described. But yes, the concept is that you can buy multiple websites in one purchase these days, which has been a good really good thing for what we do. Um, as far as paid social goes, we, we run across all social channels. Uh, we can do campaigns on any social media channel that accepts advertising. And we do a lot of it. It's obviously something our clients know enough about that they want to have access to that. And um, there's definitely um, different ways of using paid social channels. We like to think we try to do it as responsibly as possible, considering, you know, the discourse in the in the in the world these days around certain paid social channels and wanting to be cautious about audiences and not practicing any discriminatory policies or anything like that so we would be very uh, careful around that but we do use a lot of paid social ads video stream audio stream a lot of podcasting a lot of streaming channels on both video and audio so it goes on and on it's almost unlimited yeah that's that's the point it really it really is no, it used to be Used to be three three television networks. I know. <laughs> I know. I that was that was my experience too. Growing up, we had you know, I grew up in the Boston area, so we had four, five, and seven, and Channel Fifty Six, and that was it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, we had PBS, it's I guess, after a while too, right? Sometimes it makes my head hurt thinking about how much is out there. So oh, I don't envy your job. 
it's got to be really hard to be figuring that stuff out. It's so much fun. I have I have to say that one of the things that's kept me in the business this long is just the the opportunity to continually learn new things. I mean, to just stay on top of the latest technology or, you know, we do a lot of data analytics here and, you know, we have this incredible um, data spreadsheet that we put together for all of our clients um, every month to show them what's happening with their campaigns. I just love getting into that kind of technology. I love using data and understanding and interpreting it. And I think our clients understand that we really enjoy what we do. So, you know, why not work with a firm that that's going to have fun and enjoy and be able to be, you know, sort of in some ways an educator to our clients about what they're purchasing. I think we have a little slogan around here that we take an educational approach to to the planning and buying process. And that's simply true. We we take a lot of our time to try to make sure our clients understand what we're recommending so that they they're clear about what their their money is going to be invested in. I mean, and also you want to do good things, so. Absolutely, absolutely. The benefit as a benefit corporation. For sure. And Ann Richardson of Richardson Media Group, really great having you on. It's great talking with you and wish you the best of luck going forward. Thank you so much, Jeff and Amanda. I've so enjoyed this. It's great <laughs> this to be Jeff, here. I'm as Jeff and Amanda, Jeff Mangle and Amanda Andrews from the New Hampshire Business Review saying be well, everybody.